Hello, my friends. This is Pastor Christopher Alam, and we are still on the subject of uh, the power of the blood of Jesus. And um, today I want to talk about the next point, and that is that the blood brings down the glory. The blood brings down the glory of God. The blood brings down the fire of God. And I want to read to you from 1 Kings 18, chapter 18, verses 36 to 39. And it says, And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel, and that I am thy servant, and that I have done all these things at thy word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that thou art the Lord God, and that thou hast turned their heart back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice, and the wood, and the stones, and the dust, and licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, The Lord, he is the God. The Lord, he is the God. Amen. So, and you know, you have all read the story of the confrontation that Elijah had with the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel. And the prophets of Baal, they were worshiping Baal. And Elijah, he came and, and he challenged them. But the interesting thing is that this challenge that he made to the prophets of Baal because what was happening is that the people of Israel were being deceived by the prophets of Baal and so they were uh, you know they were worshiping Baal and they were being led astray and because the prophets of Baal were leading people astray and the people were generally backslidden so what happened and the king Ahab he was backslidden so they were all backslidden so Elijah was sent by God and to launch this challenge once for all and to so that the people would know that it was the Lord who was God. So I want you to understand that Elijah didn't just come up with this thing himself, but it was God. Because it says here when he prayed this prayer, he said, Lord, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel and that I am thy servant and that I have done all these things at thy word. He said, Lord, let the people know that I'm your servant and I have done these things at your word. And then hear me, O Lord, hear me that these people may know that thou art the Lord God. So this was not about Elijah trying to prove his ministry. It wasn't about Elijah. It was about the people knowing that the Lord was God and that the Lord had told him to do this. You know, I can give an example. You see, we can be foolhardy and get up before the people and say, well, I'm going to do this to prove to you that the Lord is God. You can't do that. You have to have a word from God. Like, for example, many, many years ago, many, I, I don't know, 20, 25 years ago, I was in Malawi and I went to one of the towns which was really a stronghold of Muslims. There were lots of Muslims. I believe it was the town of Salima, if I remember correctly. I could be wrong, but there were so many small towns there and we did crusades on all those places. I believe this was the town of Salima. So <clears throat> when we came there to do our crusade and there were lots of Muslims who came to the crusade and the Muslims, you know, they had told my team, you know, we believe in the same God and, uh, you know, we all have the same God because 
the Muslims, they considered their religion to be an Abrahamic religion. So they had this attitude, we have the same God. And so I came before the Lord. I said, Lord, these people are Muslims. And not only that, but my team had said to me that the Muslims were actually most helpful. And because they had said, uh, oh, we will help you with the setup of this crusade because you and I, although you are Christians, we are Muslims, we worship the same God. So we want to help you with this. And so they had actually helped us. And so I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, what should I do to reach these people with the gospel? Because they think we have the, we have the same thing, you know, the same two branches of the same tree. Uh, and uh, so what should we do? And so the Lord told me what to do. So I knew what to do. That evening when I got up uh, to preach, now I didn't want to get confrontational with them because they were actually, they were Muslims, they were lost, but they were actually quite nice and they had actually helped us a lot. So I thought, um, I don't want to offend them. I don't want to start a, you know, a, a, anything here that's unpleasant. So Lord, tell me what to do. And so I got up and the Lord told me what to do. And I said the first night, I said, listen, there's uh, some people here. I said that who believe that uh, Jesus was a prophet. He was a prophet. And that's the Muslims. That's what they believe, that Jesus was a prophet. But my Bible says Jesus is the son of God. And it's very important for us to know which one of these are true. Because the Quran actually says that Jesus was not divinity. He was not the son of God. It actually says that. So I thought there's only one way for us to find out whether Jesus was just a mere prophet or he was the son of God. So I said, this is what I'm going to do. I said, I'm going to pray to God, my father now, and I'm going to pray to him in the name of Jesus Christ, his son. And if God answers that prayer, that I will pray in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and God heals the sick and does miracles in this place, then we know that Jesus truly is the son of God. But if he doesn't answer that prayer, then we know that Jesus was just a prophet and he was not the son of God. Is that okay with you? And everybody thought, that's a great idea. That's great. So I begin to pray. And I said, in the name of Jesus Christ, who is the son of God, who died upon the cross and who you raised up on the third day. Oh, Father, if Jesus Christ is truly your son, then I ask you to send down the power of your Holy Spirit and heal these people. And immediately the power of God fell on that crowd and lame people jumped up and began to run. People left their crutches and we had a mighty, mighty move of God. Amazing. They were lame, blind, crippled, deaf, all kinds of miracles. And so that's when everything turned around and people began to say, yes, Jesus is truly the son of God. And there was a lady there. She was almost like a, which is unusual among women, you know, among Muslim countries. She was like a, almost like an evangelist. You know, she used to propagate for Islam. Her daughter was deaf and mute. And that little daughter got healed, began to hear and to speak. And that woman got saved and she had a huge influence in the community. So, you know, a thing like that can happen if you have a word from God and you can have a word from God if you pray. Listen, if we pray and seek the Lord, listen, if we are full of the Holy Ghost and we seek the Lord and we pray, I can bet you one thing. The Lord will always tell us and he will show us 
exactly what to do. And so that was the kind of situation that, uh, he, and so he told, the, he came to the prophets of Baal, he said, okay, now this is showtime. Let us, not his words, that's my paraphrase. He said, let's see, let's see if Baal is God or, you know, uh, or, or, or my God is God. And so, you know, the whole story, the sacrifice. But then here's the thing. My point is this. When Elijah prayed in verse 38, it says the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering. Now, here we see something that we see throughout the Old Testament, that every time the fire of the Lord fell, it never fell on a dry altar. It always fell on a blood-soaked altar where there was a bloody sacrifice. Let me repeat that. In the Old Testament, every time we see the fire of the Lord fall, the fire of the Lord never fell on an empty altar or a dry altar. It always fell upon a bloody altar, upon a blood-soaked altar. Why? Because it is always the blood that brings down the glory. It is always the blood that brings down the fire. Hallelujah. Now, let me show you another scripture. Second Chronicles 7 verses 1 to 2. It says, now when Solomon had made an end of praying, and you know the whole prayer in First Chronicle, Second Chronicles chapter 6 and and then in you know and then beginning with chapter 7 it was a it was the dedication of the temple and that whole prayer was a prayer of total dedication and surrender to the lord samuel was pouring out his heart before god on behalf of himself and on behalf of the people of israel because he was the king and it was a prayer of total consecration and dedication so he had made a sacrifice and the bloody sacrifice was upon the altar the sacrifice the blood soaked salt uh, sacrifice was upon the altar it was a bloody altar and Samuel he began to pray and if you read the prayer in first Kings I'm sorry second Chronicles chapter 6 you'll see it's a beautiful uh, a heartfelt cry out to God from a man who was dedicating his life and you know kingdom i mean uh, solomon was such a man that just imagine when uh, he became king after his father david the lord basically said to him ask what you want and and this is what solomon prayed he said lord i just ask you for one thing i ask you for wisdom to to lead your people he said this is a great nation these are your people i need wisdom uh, to lead your people and and God that pleased God so much and God said this is what God said listen he said God said because you did not ask me for material wealth because you did not ask me for revenge upon your enemies but you asked me for wisdom so that you might know my will I shall give you the wisdom that you want and not only that I shall give you so much wealth that there never has been a king before you neither shall ever be a king after you who shall have as much wealth as you had and God blessed Solomon with this wealth and Solomon was a wealthy man and what did Solomon do 
he took that wealth and he built this amazing temple. He had the most expensive, I mean, cedar wood brought in and gold. And he built this uh, amazing, <coughs> stupendous piece of architecture. God was the architect. God gave him the design. And Solomon built everything according to the design that God gave him. But that was his heart. But then, you know, later on you read that... Uh, you know, Solomon was a very consecrated man. He was. But then what happened? All that wealth that God gave him, it kind of corrupted him because he, you know, he became lax and loose in his sanctification, in his, in his, in his consecration to God. And he, he married all these foreign women and he had these concubines and he ended his life in a very miserable fashion. He did. And that was the sad story of Solomon. But right in the beginning, he, he was tremendously consecrated. So uh, anyway, if you, read, if you read the story, I mean, that prayer in Second Chronicles chapter 6 and into chapter 7, that heartfelt prayer from a man. And there, here's this blood-soaked offering and he prays this raw, emotion-laden prayer of consecration. And it says, as soon when Solomon in chapter in verse one, now when Solomon had made an end to praying, the fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices and the glory of the Lord filled the house and the priest could no longer enter into the glory of the Lord because the glory of the Lord had filled the Lord house. This is interesting because if you go a couple of chapters back, you will see, uh, that the glory of the Lord came when they were worshiping, you know, when they sang and they worshiped so much and the glory of the Lord came down and all these people basically fell down on the ground. But this time it wasn't a bunch of people falling down, but the fire of the Lord fell because this time it was not just the music and the worship, but there was a blood soaked sacrifice on the altar. And plus there was this deep raw consecration from the heart of Solomon and God responded to that by sending down fire from heaven and then it, that fire came and consumed the burnt offerings and the sacrifices and then it says and the glory of God filled the house the glory of God filled the house to the point it wasn't just that people fell I mean they couldn't even enter the place because the glory was so thick over the house hallelujah so the blood and consecration bring down the fire and bring down the glory hallelujah hallelujah the blood when we you know and the the blood and consecrated hearts bring down the glory bring down the fire and that is the secret to pentecostal power that is the secret you know we're talking about Pentecostal fire, falling fire. On the day of Pentecost, the fire came. It says, came down from heaven. Fire from heaven came. And it, and, and it, it fell upon them because that at the, when the fire came down on the day of Pentecost, there wasn't an altar with a, an animal sacrifice on it, but they were the altars. 
They were the sacrifice. And this time on the day of Pentecost, the fire didn't come upon the altar, but it came upon them. It says cloven tongues as a fire came and rested upon them. And the fire came upon them because they were the altar. And so similarly, it is in the new covenant. You and I are the altar of God. Hallelujah. We don't, that altar that the fire fell falls on, it's not in a church building. Some people think, oh, it's in the, no, no. The altar, the present day altar, it is the altar of God is not in a church building, but the altar of God is your heart, my heart. We are the altar of God. And so it says here, Romans chapter 12, verse 1. These are the words of the Apostle Paul. It says, I appeal to you, therefore, brethren, and beg of you in view of all the mercies of God to make a decisive dedication of your bodies. That means that Paul is begging them. He's telling them. He says, appealing to them. He says to make a decisive dedication, not a wishy-washy, half-hearted dedication, but to make a decisive, serious dedication of your bodies, presenting all your members and faculties as a living sacrifice. Holy, devoted. I'm reading from the Amplified. Holy, devoted and consecrated and well-pleasing to God, which is your reasonable service and spiritual worship. So what he's saying to us believers now in the Old Testament, they are brought sacrifices and put them on the altar. In the New Testament, we don't bring animal sacrifices because the lamb has already been sacrificed upon the altar, upon the cross, Jesus of Nazareth. So what we do, what Paul is saying is that now we are the altar and we are the sacrifice. So he says, listen, brothers, this is what you do. I want you to, because in view of the mercies of God, that means as a response to the grace that God has given us. Listen, the grace that God has given to you and me, our only proper response to God is this. How do we respond to the, you know, the Bible says of his fullness have we all received and grace upon grace. So this abundant, wonderful grace that God has given to us, that he has given us of his fullness. He has given us grace upon grace multiplied amazing grace, abundant grace. He says, in view of all the mercies of God, in view of the grace that he's given us, the only apt, appropriate response from us should be a total decisive dedication of our bodies, of our members and faculties. That means our bodies, our spirit, our soul, everything offered up to God as a living sacrifice, holy and consecrated, well-pleasing unto him. And then when we offer ourselves as a living sacrifice unto God, God will respond with fire, with the fire of his Holy Ghost. God will send down his glory and he will fill this temple, your temple, my temple with his glory. And when he does that, no evil thing can touch us. Hallelujah. That is the place of anointing. That is the place of, of protection and blessing. Now, 
So we are talking about consecration. Yesterday we talked about, you know, the blood of sprinkling that consecrates us, uh, you know, that, that sanctifies us, separates unto God, and we make a consecration of ourselves uh, as a living sacrifice. But this is the next level. The next level is, is when God sends down his fire. Now, we see this in Africa. As, and, you know, the underlying theme is this. The blood always brings down the glory. You know, when I'm preaching in Africa, on the last night of our crusades, we always pray for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I have seen up to 30,000 people at one time being baptized with the Holy Ghost and with fire speaking in tongues. And when that happens, demons coming out of people and powerful. I remember one place, uh, we were in a town, in a town called Chegutu in Zimbabwe. And on the last night when the Holy Ghost fell, and all these miracles began to happen. People were, uh, you know, all, I and mean, this was a rural town, and there was these thousand, eighty, ninety thousand people that came from all over the place. People were glued to the ground, and they couldn't get up, and, and finally, well, you know, there was chaos, and then finally, when the field cleared off, there were about a dozen wheelchairs, and they were left behind. People had gone. And our ushers came to us. They said, Pastor, what do we do with the wheelchairs? People just left them. And there were crutches laying around. And you see, God, that is the thing that God does when God sends fire. But every time I've seen that happen, you know, and, and I begin to see a pattern. And then the Lord told me this, that if you want to see people baptized with the Holy Ghost on the last night of your crusades, always preach about the blood. Always preach about the blood. And I said, okay, Lord, I will do that. Then the Lord said, because it is always the blood that brings down the glory. Always the blood that brings down the fire. And he said, I always answer blood with fire. So the Lord always answers blood with fire. That is why even in our churches, listen, in our teaching, in our preaching, we have to make much of the blood of Jesus. When I say make much, it means we have to lift up the cross and the blood to the forefront. We have to teach about the blood and preach about the blood and sing about the blood and teach people how to plead the blood of Jesus upon our lives, upon our homes, upon our families, and talk about the cross and talk about how Jesus suffered for us and the price he paid for us, that through his blood we have healing, we have salvation, we have deliverance, and the blood, it protects us, and the blood sanctifies us, and the blood cleanses us, and the blood in heaven speaks our name before the throne of the Father. So remember that the blood always brings down the glory. So, so again, as I said read to you in the scriptures that the blood never falls on a dry altar, but the blood always fa falls on a blood-soaked altar. On, I mean, the fire never falls on a dry altar, that's what I meant, but the fire always falls on a blood-soaked altar where there's a sacrifice. So I want us, beloved, to start thinking in terms of dedication, in terms of consecration when it comes to living for God and turning away from worldliness, turning away from sin, and making a total dedication to go all out in faith and 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 be separate unto separate unto him and believe God and expect him to touch us and make much of the sacrifice that Jesus made upon the cross of Calvary 
And the Lord says, as you make that consecration, as you make that separation, the Lord says, I will answer with fire. I will answer with the power of the Holy Ghost. Because also I remember God said to Elijah, you know, Elijah said, he said, the God who answers with fire, he is God. The God who answers with fire, he is the Lord. Hallelujah. Well, let's pray together. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you. I thank you, Lord, that the blood, your precious blood, the blood of your son always brings down the glory. So, Father, I thank you for my brothers and sisters. Thank you for your hands, uh, your hand upon their lives. I ask you to touch and bless every family. I cover their lives with the precious blood of Jesus. Cover their spirit, soul, body with the precious blood of Jesus. I speak long life and health and blessing to them, Father. May your grace abound upon them in full measure, Father. Bless them and use them for your glory in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, God bless you, my friends, and I will see you again tomorrow.